Welcome to The Hidden South, a collection of conversations between myself, Brent Walker, and the people I meet throughout the Southeast U.S. This is episode number eight. This episode is part of a series of written and audio stories called True Romance that will take an honest, in-depth look at romantic relationships. Go to thehiddensouth.com for more stories from this series. I met Wally, a 32-year-old teacher, while he was visiting a friend in New Orleans, following a breakup with his girlfriend and his second hospitalization for bipolar disorder. We stayed in touch, and when he returned a few months later, he agreed to share his story with me. This interview took place on August 17, 2019, a few days prior to Wally's new podcast going live. It's called The 730 Podcast. It explores how mental health issues intersect with the African-American experience. Have a listen. It's definitely worth checking out. Here's Wally's story. The role like love and romance play or have played in my life has been, honestly, I I would say quite traumatizing. But a while back, I listened to an interview done by Jay-Z, and he said every every emotion comes from someplace. It's like rooted in something. And so... A lot of my issues or, you know, challenges with romance and love really stem from my childhood. My biological mom, I was transracially adopted when I was 13. So I knew both my biological parents uh, and they both had like crack addictions. My dad died of a crack overdose. But my mom was like, like infidelity in her were like pretty synonymous. I remember my mom was like married to my stepdad, but she like, you know, she was having, like, an affair with this dude that was in prison at the time. Um, and then her and my stepdad, like, split. And so my mom's infidelity made it so that I never trust, like, I never trust women in general. Even women that I love to, like, the most maximum degree. There's always an inkling in within my psyche where it's like, I can't really trust that person completely. And that is, that's a trauma and a scar that I have from, from my childhood, just right. watching my mom. You know, there was a, a moment or event in my life that was pretty traumatizing. It was the summer of 1998. I hadn't even turned 11 yet. I was like, just about to turn 11. And me and my mom were living in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn at the time. And it was just me and her. We were going to see my stepdad in South Jamaica, Queens. And we were walking down Lafayette. Avenue. We were going to Subway, and there was this young dude who had like a pit bull on the sidewalk, and him and my mom had like some exchange. I mean, the guy must have been all of 19, 20, 21, 22, I don't know. He was a young guy, if that. We were walking, and him and my mom had some exchange, and then like next thing I know, we're like, we were going somewhere. We were U-turning to go back to our place with this dude. And we go back to the place and we're in this small studio apartment and this dude and my mom are like fucking in the bathroom. Oh, shit. And, and I can hear it. And I was like threatened. The, the bathroom at the time had this little lock that it, if, it was like a handle lock. So if you put a knife in it, you could easily open the door. And I was like threatening my mom, I'm going to come in there. Like I was banging on the door and she's like, don't come in here. And all I'm hearing in the background is two of them fucking. And then they're done. The dude leaves, and that was that. That was a moment in my life where I was like, I felt so humiliated, mm. you know? Yeah. And that humiliation 
and that sort of my mom's like impulsive behavior in that moment made it so I always carry that with me in every relationship. Like any woman can be impulsive at any point. Right. You know? Yeah. Even if it's like not really logical or um, even if it's not really part of their nature. Right. I'm like, you can be my mother in that moment. Yeah. And that's something that's always with me, something that I'm always carrying. So that that's resulted in a lot of complexities in relationships that I have because it wasn't until recently that I've really been open about that that story sure uh, it's such a raw and visceral experience that I had that doesn't really make me f- I don't think it was my fault you know and I don't I don't carry any shame for myself but it's an embarrassing moment and it's one that left me with some scars and feeling humiliated it feels, I mean, it feels like from over here that there is some shame around that. Maybe you don't carry, but maybe you feel shame for your mom. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and then also it's like, there's the element of like, how could you do this to me? Yeah, oh yeah. Right? Like, I don't think my mom realized like in that moment how traumatizing that experience was going to be for me. And I think because of that, she was, she, she was able to act out on that in that moment. Did she have any mental health issues? She wasn't formally diagnosed with anything, but my mom fucking had depression for sure. She had, you know, she might have, I'm sure if I looked at a DSM criteria, probably identify five or six things that my mom um, right. fulfilled. Yeah, she had, she had her shit. She had her outburst. She had her depression. She had her, her anxiety. I, like, there's a lot of stuff. She had addiction. She, she had a crack addiction. That's a mental mental health condition my dad had ptsd from fighting in vietnam when i was growing up i was like why are you like this and like you can make this better you know i can't believe you're doing this to me and as i've gotten older it's been like i've come to have more empathy they don't get to see that from me right my dad died when i was really young so i was never really able to be like critical he was always like superman and like he'd fucking beat my ass if anything you know um, but my mom got a like a real cold shoulder for me since you know uh, after I after I turned like twelve, thirteen, and some of that cold shoulder was like this experiences like I told you, sure. and there were a lot of other things too. That was just that was one that really sticks out to me. But they weren't never formally diagnosed. They had shit. Yeah, you know, my dad had PTSD. My mom had you know crack addiction. She had she I would say that she was probably bipolar. I would say that my dad was probably bipolar in some capacity. Yeah. So a lot of that stuff kind of, I've, I've grown to have more empathy because I'm dealing with my own mental health shit. And so I, I, some of the stuff I see in them, looking back, I'm like, well, it was bigger than them as people, like, you know, decision makers. Like right. some of this stuff was like really beyond them. When I had my episode, a lot of that was beyond me in yeah. some ways, not entirely, but I spent 31 years of my life trying not to be like resisting my parents' characteristics like what made them them like not being a drug addict like no like for example i never did cocaine i was like i'm never going to touch that drug my parents did that there so there were all these factors that i tried to resist characteristics of my parents that i like tried not to embody but then when i had my episode i saw subconsciously a lot of myself in them Mm. so that was even that was a trigger That was a trigger on top of the trigger. And so I went to like such a maniacal place in that moment 
that there was like no talking me out. There was a lot, a lot of irrational behavior. And just being aware of that now has been helpful. Just coming to terms with that. Like there are parts of my makeup that I got from my parents and that will always be there with me. Even though I might not embrace them, uh, I have to acknowledge that they're there. You talked about your episode. Was there a relationship involved when that happened? Yeah, man, it was, um, it's tough, man. It's like, even now, cause it's like, it's still so fresh. It's like yeah. still such a fresh wound. You know, me and my girlfriend at the time, we got together back in like March of 2018. We had gone out on a couple of dates like a few months before that and then like kind of reconnected. And you know, in a lot of ways, our experiences couldn't be more different. She grew up in Ohio, went to private Catholic school, sort of grew up more in like a conservative, traditional sense. She was white, I was black. I grew up in an urban city, one of the biggest cities in the world. And so there was a lot in, I would say, in conflict or clashing or contrasting. Not with us in terms of our values, but just in terms of like culture and experience, yeah. life experience, lived experience. And so the relationship was tough because in September, October, I got really depressed and that put a real strain on, on our relationship. She was trying to help me out through it, you know, encourage me to go to therapy, stay consistent with that, possibly see a, a psychiatrist. She was actually saying that she thought I might be bipolar. And she was actually right. But hearing that, I was like resistant to hearing that. My girlfriend, I don't think she realized at the time the privilege she had in being white and saying that and how that might be even a trigger for me. Mm -hmm. Like you don't understand, like you haven't really lived what I've lived. So like don't project your shit on me, even if it might be right, even if there might be some validity to it. And that... I think made it hard over time for me to even be accepting of or come out of my depression a lot. It wasn't ill-intentioned. Nothing she was doing was malicious. She was trying to find solution to the problem. It was like well-intentioned, but it, it definitely had an effect on me in the midst of that because I couldn't see it that way. And so we kind of went on and on and on. I was having moods, like intense mood swings, I would say from October through December, no, October through, through when I had my episode in March. February, we went to go visit her sister and some of my friends out in California. Something just like kind of wasn't right on that trip. So her sister dealt with depression. There's like a history of mental health conditions in her family, so she's really sensitive to that. Uh, she had a lot of trauma herself. She was sexually assaulted. So it was like a lot of shit and when we came back from California, I was just like, I was in a weird spot you know, for a few weeks. And then I kind of cold turkey went off my medication and I was just in the midst of fucking hell. Whatever, the, dark, the darkest place you can imagine. Like, I, I didn't get out of my bed for a week. So the medication you were on at the time was for depression? For you depression. You hadn't been diagnosed with bipolar yet. No, I was dying. The shitty psychiatrist I was with first tried to say that I had an anxiety problem. Oh, right. At that time, I was taking meds for anxiety and an antidepressant. I was taking anti-anxiety, antidepressant. And so, I think part of my relationship with my psychiatrist made it so I was just like, fuck this. I don't need these meds. I don't trust this guy. I came off the medication. 
And that's when everything went kind of swirling out, out of control. So my girlfriend that week, she was really trying. I went to, this is how maniacal I got. I basically threatened to leave New York on a one-way ticket to Oregon. I can't believe I did this in, in hindsight, but I literally got in an Uber, went to the airport, and was like at JFK about to board a flight, go through security and board a flight to Portland. I have a couple friends in Portland, but I wasn't even going to see them. I was just like, let me go somewhere I've never been before and just get away from all this shit. I was trying to escape. And she was, you know, she was hysterical. She even called her sister and had her sister call me. They were trying to like work that out. Eventually I decided like not to go, but I was at the airport super late, came back, stayed at home. And then it was like kind of more the same. That Friday I went to, to therapy. After therapy, I'd like talked about going to a basketball game in Madison Square Garden to see Villanova play. Me and my girlfriend had talked about it like a week before. I was like, you want to go to this game? And she was like, yeah. And uh, she's like, that sounds like a great idea. And then I think the shit with my depression was so, weighed on her so much that that Friday night, I was like, do you want to go to the game? Basically, she was like, I can't. Like, you're in like a crazy place right now. And like, you need to like figure out your shit. That's not what she said explicitly, but that was the message. And that sent me into a spiral. It was like this, this feeling of like rejection, which for me has always been like a, a big, big, big issue in the context of relationships. I don't handle rejection well. There were two episodes that I had in the context of this. And there was, so there was one in March and then there was one in, in May. And both resulted in me going to the hospital. The one in May, I was only in the hospital for like a night. In May, it was like I was so fixated on this idea that like our relationship was like gone and like we were in this weird place after I got out of the hospital where we, we weren't intimate. We were going to this couples therapist and there was like a real line that was drawn. Yeah. And I, I was like, I remember explicitly saying like, be with me because you want to be with me. Don't be with me because you think I'm in this fragile place right now. And I think that was my way of being like, don't get me back into this in a serious way and it not be what what it was not what it was but us not work towards like right um improving what what was what was in in play she was like no i, I want to be in this because i'm doing this because i want to be in this i think she was experienced a lot of external pressure from her friends and family and they're like this guy's like no good or he's like too deranged too unhinged or like whatever what does that look like, though? Before you went into the hospital these times, when you talk about episodes, like what happened? Like, was there like a, did you just lose your shit in the airport? Did you like, did no, you scare I mean, her? Was no, there... I was like fucking cryptic text messages, like, you know, cryptic images, you know. And do you remember what that felt like when you were in it? Yeah. Like, if I think about it in a physical sense, it's like, People, sometimes people, like women, ask, what, like, what does it feel like to get kicked in the balls? And I'll say, like, imagine, like, a bomb going off and then just going all the way up into, like, your stomach, like, in, a, in such an intense way that you can't even, like, yeah. move. I would say, like, the episodes are, like, getting kicked in the balls, but the only difference is it's, like, coming from your heart and it's going to your brain like a fucking bomb explodes and it like literally shoots up to your brain in a way that it, you can't it's like zero to a hundred and it's it's impossible I wouldn't say impossible 
But emotional regulation is not even in consideration. You're not even thinking about it's an impulsive it's an impulsive experience. The experience is I'm fucking mad right now and I'm gonna let the anger show. But like really at the what's at the core of that is like for example when she was like I don't wanna go to the game, what's at the core of that is I feel rejected right now. That that made me feel sad. Do you think that goes back to your mom? That feeling of rejection? No, I don't think there's a I don't think the feeling of rejection I relate to my mom, but I do think my mom wasn't really the most emotionally accessible. She wasn't the most like she loved me. Yeah. But she wasn't like she wasn't in retrospect the mother that I would have preferred to have. She wasn't like the most nurturing mother. Um, it wasn't like she was cold, but she, you know, like I said, like she fucking had sex with this random guy, like essentially on my watch, you know? Um, but you don't feel like that maybe made you feel rejected a little bit? Like, like she's choosing to be in the bathroom with this guy you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I think there's like a when you think about rejection in that sense, it's like a lack of consideration. Yeah. For like what, what the experience is for me, and I, so in that context, yes, I think when my girlfriend's like, no, I don't want to do this thing with you, there was a lack of consideration for in that moment how I was feeling, and I think the way that sort of spurns into relationships for me is like any time. I get very selfish in the sense of whoever I'm with, you got to put my shit first. And I'm not like, I'm not a selfish person. You know, at my core, I might, a lot of people say and would classify me as one of like most generous and giving people. Like I make it a habit to give. Um, I'm doing this podcast and it's, I'm giving myself to hopefully help some other people. But so I, if, I'm, if my needs aren't a priority, then yeah, there's a feeling of rejection in that. When I get in a relationship like that, I give such, I give my whole self. And so these women really know who I am. In some ways, more than like some of my best friends know me, they know shit about me that some of my best friends don't, don't know about me. And so like, the feeling of rejection for me is like when my girlfriend's like, no, I can't do this. Or we're, we're creating this line when you get out of the hospital because like you, the feeling for me is like, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? Like you, you know the shit I've gone through and you know what effect and impact that this type of experience is going to have on me based on all the shit that's happened to me in my life. There is the feeling of rejection in the sense of like, and I guess that kind of relates back to my mom. It's like, why are you, why are you doing this to me? You know how this is going to affect me. When my most recent girlfriend, it was like a guilt trip that I was using. Like, why are you doing this to me? Like, you know what this is doing to me. And she's not a, she's not a, like, my last girlfriend, she's not a bad person. I just think, like, the structure and dynamic of the relationship got so unhealthy and we were both culprits of that in our own way. Like how she dealt with me at times. I think she tried to be like too accommodating, which I think I need some accommodation, but like there, there, it wasn't balanced. 
-hmm. you know? I think too, once you cross a certain line with somebody, they, no matter how much they love you and they want what's best for you, they go into self-protection mode. Right. And they go into this like, okay, there, here's the line because I feel like if we, if we don't, if we cross over this line, I'm back in danger. Right. You know, and it, it doesn't have to be physical danger. It could be emotional, you know, right, whatever. Right. But that's, that's what I think happens from being on the other side of that. Cause the last relationship I was in, she had severe PTSD. And so she would go into these, um, I don't know, man. It was just like, it was like you described. It was kind of like um, from the inside out, she was just exploding and like she didn't know what to do and she was reverting back to being a child and she was picking up the pocket knife off the table and just, you know, like right. all, the sh all the shit. And, I, you know, in hindsight, stepping back, when I'm in the middle of it, it's like, God damn, I need to protect myself, you know, not physically from harm from her. I wasn't really worried about that as much, but... The, what she's throwing out is toxic and, and right. she's throwing it out at me and like I need to be away from that and at the time it just feels like whew, I gotta just get do away. whatever I gotta do to get away and then stepping back I can look at it and I'd be like okay well I know what she was going through she was going through a rejection she was going through me rejecting her and and her not being okay with that because I know everything about her I know all the things and right I I, I felt like I was turning my back on her. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, in, in, in that way, it's like, also, it's like a trust that's broken. You know, my, my thinking a lot of times is when I get in these breakups, I'm like, what, one, why should I ever trust anybody again with my life, literally? And then the inevitability that things will always end in a shitty way. The only thing that is actually like a human fact is that everything will end. Well, how is it going to end? It will end, yeah. Right, but it will end. Like, is it going to be on um, a decision that I've made, a decision that you made, mm -hmm. you know, one of us just die off? Like, there will be some inevitable pain in this thing. Yeah. So why do I want to experience this pain? There's a lot of um, codependency right. within my relationships that gets really unhealthy. Like, not I need, but like, let's do this together. Let's do that together. Let's... For example, when we were going back for Christmas, my girlfriend wanted to get on a different flight on the way home because it was cheaper. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, wait a second, like, I'm coming out to Cincinnati to see your family and you're gonna get on a separate flight to go. It was like, it wasn't a feeling of rejection. It was just like, where, like, you're not valuing the fact that I'm, like, it was like this weird distorted right. thing, yeah. like idea that I created in my hair, head. And there was like some legitimacy behind like why she was taking a flight. It was like more economically prudent, you know? Right. Um, but I couldn't see it that way in the moment. And I had a very strong reaction to it. And she, 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 she picked up on that. In all my episodes, I've never been violent. I've had like, I've said like some fucked up shit. I've been very emotional. There's only one time I can think that I was like scary. Mm -hmm. It was the second time I went to the hospital. We were on the way to the hospital. My girl, my ex-girlfriend was there, and my, my, one of my best friends was there. And we were in an Uber to the hospital, and I was so fixated on this shit with my girlfriend. I was like, well, what are we doing? Like, I was like, I'm going to get out of the hospital. It's going to be the same shit. And she's like, I'm not talking about that now. I'm not talking about that now. And she was deflecting, and I just, like, lost my shit. I was like, this is, like, it was like I had, like, a rageful moment with myself. Sure. It wasn't directed at her, but with myself. 
And then, yeah, like I said, like cryptic fucking text messages and threatening text messages that is really not a part of my nature. The way that I want to function and the way that I typically function is not how. Are you more susceptible to lows and highs when you're in a relationship or out of a relationship? It's funny you ask that, man. It's one thing I've been asking myself a lot lately. Because I would say there's definitely been lows in the context of me not being with my girlfriend. I miss her. There's things I'm doing that I want to share with her. The podcast and all these projects I'm working on, I'm working on writing a memoir right now, I'm doing all these projects. A lot of these projects have been keeping me, my energy focused and in a direction. I'm focusing on myself. Mm. I'm focusing on self-love. I'm focusing on things that make me happy. I'm focusing on, on things that I can do to, to sort of maintain a healthy state. There's ownership in that. There's independence in that. And that, that makes me feel good. Um, I'm not codependent on anyone to, to sort of validate me as a person right now. In some ways, I would say, like, I'm happier right now than I was a year ago. That's been pretty empowering in a lot of ways. But the podcast has been a real big reason why I've been, like, pouring my energy and my soul into that. And she was a big part of me thinking of doing this, how I was going to do it, all that stuff. Not conceptually, no, but she put it out there for me, and I... She she informed me of this Google podcast program mm. and I submitted an application for it. She sent it to me. She said, you ever think about doing a podcast? And I said, no, not maybe a little bit, but I don't know what I'd do it on. And then I sat on it for like a day. And I was like, you know, I can do this shit and I can focus it on mental health. And I had eight days to do an application and I worked ferociously on the application. I submitted the application, didn't get it, get into the program, but I was down here in New Orleans, and I was hanging out with, with my good friend Julian. We were talking about the podcast and all stuff, and Julian said, you fucking need Google. Just yeah. do the thing. And to me, that actually, the irony of that is that codependency. Like, I need Google to do the thing that I need to do. Yeah. And that's no different than, like, codependency in my relationship. I need this love to be able to do the thing right. that I need to do. Actually, I think this symbolically, doing this project symbolically is probably going to leave me in a much better place for like whatever my next relationship is. I don't need the relationship to like be functioning in a healthy, in a healthy way. Not like I don't need the relationship or the relationship is meaningless, but the relationship doesn't create my happiness. I create my happiness and hopefully I can bring my happiness to that relationship, you know? Yeah, I was going to ask you kind of what your hopes are for, for the next time around, you know, like, are you, are you doing things now that you think will kind of prepare you for that? And it sounds like you are, you know, like, yeah, I think the podcast is, is, is one of them. Um, but how do you heal that shit that's at the root? Because really, if you never heal that stuff that, you know, that, that the trauma that you suffered when you were a child and, and those type of things, I don't know, it's been my experience that shit just keeps coming back. My hopes for, like, what's next is, you know, I've always thought of myself as being a very open person. Yeah. But I think sometimes you, I, what I've gotten in the habit of thinking, I think, over time is that openness means you're being vulnerable. Mm. And that's not the case. 
like there's there's a difference between openness and there's a difference between versus vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Openness is just like I'm willing to pour my heart out to you and tell you what this is. This is what happened to me in my life, blah, 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 blah. Right. The vulnerability is the underlining thing. Like, what did that do to you? How did that make you feel? Like, what is it, you know? And my goal in my future relations, if there's multiple, if there's one, if, whatever the case is, is to just be more like forthcoming with like the vulnerability, being more vulnerable. Um, and being more like communicative, I get really passive aggressive in a, in a, in a relationship. You did this thing. I didn't like, just don't fucking talk to me, but I won't say like, you know, it's just like whatever. And, um, that shit's unhealthy, you know, but that is, that is a direct result. That passive aggressive behavior, that, you know, silent mode behavior, that whatever is a direct result of a unwillingness to be vulnerable. And I think as a man, right, and, you know, I was an athlete in college, we're taught to be, like, really calloused and, like, not show emotion, don't be weak, don't be these things, be strong, right? And it's, like, this toxic masculinity that, like, sort of injects itself in relationships for a lot of men, particularly me. It's like, fuck this. I don't need this fucking girl. But in the, at the core of it, it's like, I do need this person. But I'm unwilling to show why I need this person or how this person hurt me or like whatever. It's not I need this person. It's like this person can't fucking hurt me or they they can't make me feel bad. But at the core of it, like you feel bad. My goal is just to be more like forthcoming with that stuff. How do you do that, though, without um, having expectations around like if I'm being vulnerable with you, okay, now you know me at the core. It's kind of what, going back to what you were saying. Now if you do something to me, then it feels like you're ripping my heart out. You know what I mean? Because you know me so well because I've been so vulnerable with you. Is that the difference between being open and vulnerable? Is that kind of what you were saying with that? Or Yeah, I think in, in, yeah, I think in openness there's an expectation a lot of times. Yeah. Like I'm telling you this. Like you have, that's one of the things that really trips me up a lot in relationship. There's a there's an expectation of reciprocation. That's a big part of this. Like, I remember when I was in the hospital, I was talking with a psychologist right before I got discharged, and she was breaking down all this um, DBT therapy, dialectical behavior therapy. And she was like, there's a difference between, like, you can acknowledge that something happened to you and, like, you feel a certain way. And you just, you know, shitty shit happens, but you you have to accept it. There's no other way around it, you know? And so I can feel, like, slighted that somebody didn't reciprocate something to me in a relationship. The reality is I'm not going to change that. I'm not going to change that that happened. And that's no different than, like, trauma that you experience. Like, you carry that with you forever. You're not going to change that. But you can accept it and try to find ways to, like, navigate it. But yeah, appreciate Thank it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Hidden South. You can view hundreds of portraits and stories, including this one, at thehiddensouth.com.